a Svalbard Q&A. This is the Wildlife Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wildeye, and in this episode I'm just going to share the audio of a video that I recorded for my Svalbard guests that, are, that will be joining me in 2024. I asked them all for questions on the trip, and I then just read through all these questions and I answer them. For those of you that are looking at this trip in the future, or you're just curious of what to prepare, then um, this one's for you guys as well. Some details on cameras, what to expect, and so on, and then if you have any other uh, questions on Svalbard, I will put one or two of the videos that I mention in here in the description of the podcast episode as well. Um, yeah, as an FYI, here we go, Svalbard Q&A. So as per my email a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, I asked you guys for some questions on our Svalbard trip next year, and I received quite a few here in no particular order. I'm going to go through these. There are some of them that are repetitive, but I'm just going to run through them one by one, hopefully giving you the answers that you need. Along with this, in the email I'm going to send back to you, again, I'll include some of the videos from the previous years on how to prepare for your Svalbard uh, expedition. And what I'm going to do earlier in the new year, kind of end of Feb, March, then I'm going to record another dedicated video where I redo the whole thing because if there's any changes or updates or anything like that, I'll include that. But for now, the questions you guys asked about our trip next year. Like I said, no particular order. Here we go. What PowerPoint adapter will I need for charging batteries? So it's a Type F, which is the two-pronged circular ones. I'll put a, a picture up on the corner here. But it's Type F on the ship and in Norway. So for your hotels in Svalbard and on the Stockholm, it's the Type F adapter. With two camera bodies, I share four batteries. Will I need more? Now, historically, when you shoot in cold conditions, your batteries go down quite quick. However, the majority of the cameras we're using today should be able to deal with one battery in the camera, one on charge all the time. Uh, if you have, for example, one extra to keep with you, for example, if we go out in the Zodiac, you've got one in your camera, you go one on charge in the ship, do you have one with you as well? For me, I only have two batteries per, uh, per camera body. So one is always on charge and I just keep on going. Whenever I get back to the ship, I just make sure that I keep going. So four batteries for two camera bodies, minimum requirement. If you have one or two extra, won't hurt, definitely won't. Okay, next one. I have never been a selfie stick user, but I can see one could come in handy for keeping my phone safe from dropping, especially overboard from gloved hands. Do you use one? And if so, can you recommend a good style or brand? I've, I've never been a selfie stick user, so to say, but I currently have a, what's called an Insta360, which is, I don't use the selfie stick portion of it, but it's nice to hold from a gimbal and to get that um, stability going. What I would say is if you are going to use a selfie stick or your phone, don't use gloved hands. Uh, if you have mittens where it opens your fingers, that's preferable. And then uh, even with a selfie stick, you don't want to be doing that. So make sure that either your glove has grips on it, uh, like the little nodules, or then take your glove off while you use your phone. I've seen quite a few people as well who have these lanyards attached to their phone cases. So that if you have the phone, there's a lanyard attached and you can hang it which is probably the safest, but uh, I'm not an, not an expert on selfie sticks, so uh, I'm sure anything that holds your phone tightly would help, but um, yeah, don't use it with gloves on. Uh, not going to end well. 
next one. As a novice photographer, could you please give me some advice on camera settings and photography tips for the White Wonderland? I'm sure that there'll be quite a few different from my usual camera settings. So I'm not going to go into too much detail on this. This is what we do on the ship. We day by day, in real time, we'll talk photography, Lightroom, etc. Um, et but just to set your mind at ease, it's not that difficult. I find shooting up in the White Wonderland, as you mentioned it, I love that it's much easier because your exposures are more neutral. You might have to manage if there's bright sun on the on the snow. You might have to manage that. But I'm not going to go into too much detail now. This is more from a Q&A point of view. If you have specific questions on that for now, send me a message. But don't worry. That's what we do at Wild Eye. On the trips, on the trip and Svalbard, we'll go through camera settings in real time. Uh, so when we're looking at the polar bear on the snow, I'll tell you how to do that. So that's pretty cool. Next one, will we need a big Gore-Tex jacket um, if we are going to use the special suits for excursions or will a waterproof Gore-Tex shell over a very warm puffer be enough? So again, this is very individual preference. You probably don't need the big, big Gore-Tex Parker jackets anymore. If you're comfortable with your Gore-Tex shell, which cuts the wind, and then your warm puffer jacket for the ice for the insulation, then that's cool. Uh, the only time when we wear those suits, the Baltic flotation suits, is when we go on the zodiacs and on excursions to land. Uh, like I mentioned in the previous video and email, it is now compulsory, according to Svalbard law, to wear those on the zodiacs, but they make it much easier. So in my mind, a Gore-Tex shell over a very warm puffer will do, obviously with a beanie and gloves and so on. But yeah, if you're a very cold person, you get affected, then I might take the big jacket. But personally, I don't think it's necessary. Again, each to his own, but just from previous years. The big Cortex jacket was mostly used on the Zodiac, and that's been sorted for us now. Uh, next one. Any specific lens filters I might need for my 24-105 and 100-400? So if you're talking about landscape filters, probably no, unless you're going to be shooting in and around Longyearbyen. From the boat for long exposures, you don't need the grad filters and NDs and stuff like that. What might work is a circular polarizer. If you have that, that could come in handy. But other than that, no, you're not going to need any of the landscape filters for this particular trip. Then, also, I don't have a converter for my big lens. I was hoping on a crop sensor camera I would have enough reach. I know it's a bit like asking how long is a piece of string and how close will the wildlife be if we're lucky to find some. Uh, the answer is yes. So, like with any safari tour or expedition, we never know exactly how close you're going to be. Like I mentioned, 14 to 600 mils, that's anything in that you would be able to use. If you have a converter to go more, you would be able to use it either for very far wildlife or then for the birds that we might be looking at. But if you get to 600, you should be cool. Even some people are happy with 400, just knowing that there might then be chances that you can't get that close. So if you have a converter or you can rent one, absolutely, but probably not the end of the world. All right, moving on. We heard in one of the videos that you recommend lenses from 14 to 16, uh, 14 to 600. Is this correct? Yes. 14 mil on the boat, wide angles on the Zodiacs, walking, and then 600 would be on the Zodiacs, on the main boat, photographing wildlife. Like I said, if you have a converter for that and you want to go more, absolutely, but 600 should be perfect. You also mentioned more batteries to be taken. Okay, we've spoken about this, but I'll read. We had four last time, so one with us and one on charge. Do you recommend to take six? So we have one with us, one recharge, and one in the device on the boat. Six if we use two cameras. Like I mentioned, four is minimum requirement for me. One on charge, one there. If you have got six, absolutely, but don't go and buy. I don't think that's necessary. <coughs> Excuse me. How are the plugs on the boat? EU systems. 
uh, only to take adapters. Again, it's called the Type F. It's the two round pronged um, adapters that we're going to use. Now, one of the videos show all the people in the own dress code on the Zodiac, but you mentioned in the other one that we will get an overall. So the older videos that you'll see on the WildEye platform and on mine, that would be before 2020. That's when people had to dress our own gear on the Zodiacs. After that will be the flotation suits, those baby grows, those overalls, how we would call them. So you all get issued one on day one, show you how to get into and out of them, so that is sorted. You also mentioned that there is no internet on the boat. Ouch. Do you have any, um, do we have any from time to time, anywhere? I would need to plan differently handovers on projects to my team, hence asking on this one. No, there is no signal on the boat. We, there's one fjord, uh, Balsunt, which is south of East Fjord, where Longyearbyen is, where if we get there, and it's a big if, then we do have a little bit of signal, but it's sketchy at best. So for all intents and purposes, no, we do not have internet on the boat. I do take a sat phone, I've got a little sat modem for emergencies where people can send messages to and from, but to run a project handovers and stuff, I don't think so. So I would highly recommend that you do as much handovers before, and then if we get to Balsund, it all depends on weather, then you can connect. But uh, otherwise, before and after would be the time to connect. It is nice in a way just to kind of break away from internet as well. I understand the work side of it. So yeah, let's plan accordingly. Then I'm going to keep going here. As Randy knows, we will only arrive on the 17th around one o'clock. It was complicated to get these flights and we can't change them now. I'm sure this will be okay. And I know we have to leave at 4 p.m. on the boat. We keep positive, but we'll manage. Uh, this means that we might have not, I'll try that again, might not have time to meet much of the team before or if there's items to buy or rent. How do we manage this part? Well, if you have your flight sorted, then one o'clock you arrive, you probably leave the airport at two. So you would be able to get, let's say, into town. Uh, you probably come to Svalbard Hotel. Leave your gear there. You're going to have a bit, one and a half to two hours to walk around if you need to rent or buy something. From where the hotel is, everything is within a 20-minute walk. So I do think you'll have time, barring any dramatic delays. There definitely will be time to get to, for example, picking up your rental boots or buying something. If it is a rental that needs to be collected, I can do that on your behalf because I'll be there the day before. From a buying point of view, you should have about an hour and a half. I normally arrange for the taxi to fetch us from the hotel between 4 and 4.30 and then we leave for the boat. But you should have an hour and a half or two hours if you arrive on that one o'clock flight. Right. When we come back on May 24, we leave early on the 26th, early morning. So my family has booked rooms in Longyearbyen, and we will have the full day on the 24th and the 25th there. Is there any recommendation on what we could do? You would have, and would it be good to book in advance? I.e., Julie asked if the dog sledging still runs, but I'm not sure this is feasible and might not be enough snow. And we found to do this on rolls is not the same. Yes, uh, it all depends on how much snow there is, whether the dogs are running on a sled or on the on the road with wheels. They do that. I would probably wait until about a month and a half, six to eight weeks out. And then I would look at booking those things. You can also book your dog sledding or your ice cave or uh, glacier walks. There's, and this is the video that I'll do for you guys closer to the time. Um, I'll look at some of the additional bolt-ons. But there's... There's enough for me in that town for a good morning and late afternoon, walk around, take some pictures, little shops, the, the Svalbard Museum is great, 
The excursions outside of that through Basecamp Explorer, you can go and check their website. There's a lot of cool stuff. But yeah, until we know closer to the time what is open and not, it's very difficult for me to comment on that. The one thing that I've always enjoyed, if it's possible, is to go to Pyramiden, which is a Russian mining ghost town from the 70s. Phenomenal place to visit. Uh, again, at this stage, it's closed because of the war, the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, so when we get closer to the time and I record the next video, end of Feb, March, I'll have followed up on all of those. But um, for now, scratch around, put it on a wish list, and then see when we get closer to the time, yeah? Right, carrying on. Lenses, do you think the following is overkill? 16 to 35, 70 to 200, 100 to 400, 500 mil, 1.4, and two bodies. Do I bring all or drop any? Uh, if it's easy enough and you can, bring all of it. It would be cool, for example, most of the time to have a 500 on the one camera body, 100 to 400 on the other, so you get the versatility on the one reach on the other. As and when needed, we can then pop the 1.4 on, and for Zodiacs, I would probably take the 70 to 200, while the 1635 will be handy on the boat. So all of that I would bring. Given we're going in early season, how far north do you think we'll get? I sailed last time full circumference of the island, and we hit 82 degrees north. Interesting question. For the last couple of years, we didn't get past 80... 80.3, I think. Last year, we couldn't get to 80 degrees north. We were checking on the GPS, and we could literally almost see where 80 would be, but we couldn't get there. Why? Because too much ice. Now, it is pretty cool to get to 80 degrees north. It's a big thing. I always say to people, when you pass that, you're probably one of the 1,000th most northern people on the planet, which is a pretty cool thing. But the, the, the flip side of that is if there's a lot of ice and we can't get there, our chances for polar bears and wildlife in the ice do increase. So over the last few years, 80, I would say 80 is our aim with the amount of ice. And what I do also from a couple of weeks out, I start pulling the ice charts for our trip and I share those on a WhatsApp group, which I'll create. And then we'll have a better idea. But I, I seriously doubt we'll get to 82 degrees north with the amount of ice. So here we go. What hotel do you normally use in Longyearbyen? So I think I think this might be Grace yours. I haven't got names on here, but we normally use uh, Svalbard Hotel, Porfaroran, The Vault. We've used Base Camp. I've personally also stayed in Funken, Marianne's Polar Rig, Radisson. Easiest ones for me, Svalbard Hotel, Porfaroran, in the middle, dead center of town, right next to Croa. Croa has Base Camp as well. So anywhere in that area, The Vault, Svalbard Hotel, and base camp, very central, very easily accessible, and yeah, we've had great stays there in the past. And then last one, for shooting from the ship, would a monopod be handy? Honestly, I wouldn't. Reason is, I've only on one year taken a tripod slash monopod, one of the, wheel, the, one of the legs screw off, with me, and the problem is, we were photographing, I remember this, we were photographing a bunch of walrus on ice, and it was snowing. But with the tripod on the boat, on the deck of the boat, the boat vibrates. So if it's a thing that you're struggling to carry your lens from, from a weight point of view, then you might do that. What I've found is I would rather have a jacket or something, hang it over the edge and balance on there. But the monopod, the hard monopod, for example, like this, on the deck with the vibration of the engine, it does add to your shutter speed. Not the end of the world. And if it is something that you need because you can't hold the lens, Absolutely, take a monopod, but I would never recommend one as such. If you can fit it in and you're used to it and you just keep in mind you're going to have to use a faster shutter speed, then it's fine. But otherwise, nah, 
I would probably handhold or then just lean on the side of the of the railings if and when necessary. So there we go, guys. Thank you so much for all the questions. I am if you have any follow-up questions or more, send them through to me on email. And when I do the next video at the end of February, where I'm gonna run you step by step through arriving, the taxi, hotel, what to do, what to expect, bolt-ons on the trip, the cabins, and so on and so forth. I'm gonna redo that whole video in Feb. And then at the end of that, I'll do another Q&A. So if you have questions, keep on firing them through on email or WhatsApp, and we can add it into that video. It's, uh, I can't wait to share this trip with you. It is an incredible experience. Uh, Grace, I know you have been there before. I don't think anybody else on this trip has been there before. Amazing, absolutely mind-blowing, but we'll get more into the detail closer to the time. Thanks for the question again, guys. And if you have any other ones, hit me up. Otherwise, I'll chat to you guys soon. All right, guys, there it is. That is a Svalbard Q&A. More coming up in Feb, March, once I get closer to the time and I nail down one of the logistical things. But uh, if you have any questions, hit me up. As always, thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. And I'll chat to you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Bye for now. Hey.